You're listening to a podcast from Victory. How can we emerge triumphant in the face of temptation? Find out in week three of Rise and Fall. I hope that uh, you're enjoying this series. It's a leadership series, and I know that a lot of you here are beginning to uh, get a closer look of uh, indeed how we would want to go about this uh, coming election. And I know that a lot of us here uh, are still undecided, and I'm not here to uh, endorse anyone, but I hope that this will be an avenue for you once again to have a clearer picture of uh, what kind of leader that we need to elect this coming election. So welcome once again, and... um, We want to invite you to our leadership series. At the end of the series, we want all of you here to have a picture of uh, what kind of leader that we want for ourselves, a leader worth following. And because we look up to this leader, that we become that kind of leader as well that can make an influence uh, in the lives of people around us. So for the past two weeks, we did talk about uh, the life of Abimelech. And I know that, indeed, that was uh, really an amazing message because I know that Abimelech uh, was just a leader that wasn't really prepared uh, to take on a responsibility. And thus, we can learn that, indeed, as leaders in our own um, turf, we can uh, learn and take care of the different instructions uh, that we can learn uh, in the life of this man. And about a week ago, we did talk about the life of uh, King Saul, that he was full of pride. And I know that a lot of us here, indeed, we are also... Uh, struggling once in a while with pride okay Uh, okay how many of you here are humble Uh, okay good please raise your hand and i know that a lot of us here we do struggle and at times we we don't uh, take it seriously and thus that would be the beginning of your downfall and thus i uh, would want to uh, use okay uh, the life of king david to be a reference this morning in order for us to learn and understand what God wants to convey. And next week, we'll talk about the son of David, King Solomon. And two weeks from now, we'll talk about the life of King Hezekiah. We'll learn and we will learn from their lives, their accomplishments, and uh, their mistakes in the advent of this coming election. The question that we need to ask ourselves is that, can a leader be trusted? Can a leader deliver what he has promised? And I know a lot of us here, whether we like it or not, no matter how uh, leaders after leaders and even our presidential both would promise certain things that are really appealing and at times because we're hopeless, we latch into it and we hope for it. I hope that you uh, will really come to your senses this morning that there is no such thing as somebody who has what it takes to deliver what he has promised. And thus, uh, the only thing that gives us hope is that at the end of of the day, no matter what will happen this uh, coming May 9, is that we know that Jesus is in control of our situations. Amen? That He's in control of our country. And this is why I would want to start with this uh, really chapter in the book of uh, Psalm, that indeed before David came to power, before David came to be the king of the nation of Israel, this was what he has promised himself. And I know that uh, a lot of us, we have also um, heard a lot of promises for the past few weeks, the past few months of leaders that would uh, really give us um, certain promises that are at times uh, uh, impossible. And yet we, we trust that indeed uh, they are true to their word. And this was the promise of David. He said, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. That he was simply saying that I will walk in steadfast love and I'm for justice. I will walk the the ways, okay? Your ways that is blameless and I will walk with integrity of the heart. That was what he uh, communicated before he 
what he was given the uh, the the responsibility to lead the nation of Israel. And part of that chapter, he said that I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. That was what he wants for himself. And he said once again, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. He was simply stating the fact that I am a person who would never look at uh, anything worthless, that I will always look for things that are great, excellent, and noble, that I will live this life okay, with integrity of the heart, and I will know nothing of evil. And I like what David and how he began. And we know that David is a man after God's own heart. But my question with us this morning is that what happened when David rose to power? What, what, what was wrong with uh, how he went about his leadership. And we can learn a lot from David. And I know this morning, I promise you, that if you just listen and take care, we can learn a lot from David. Because at the end of the day, more than just the presidentials and the people that we vouch for, at the end of the day, the leader that we want for this country is the person right beside you. That if we just do our part and do our bit and do our share, this country, just like what we sang a while ago, Okay, that the righteousness of God indeed will shine forth in our country. Are you ready right now? So kindly open your Bibles right now to Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 1 to 5. And I just can't help. David started a great man of God. He was a man after God's own heart. In fact, he what? He challenged okay, this uh, uh, giant who has been uh, dishonoring the name of God by the name of Goliath. And he started okay, as a faithful servant of God, the son of Jesse. And he was a man who is really responsible. And thus we see that David, on his way to power, was a man chosen by God. And thus, I just can't understand what happened to David who is solely a man after God's own heart. Isn't it a pressure? That when somebody tells you, you are a man after God's own heart. But you have to live to what? That statement. If you are uh, really uh, someone who's recognized that indeed you are a man who will never miss reading your Bible, you need to adhere to that what? Expectation. If you're a man that's always early, never been late, you have to what? You have to comply to that expectation. If somebody will tell that you are good looking, <laughs> by the grace of God, <laughs> adhere to that expectation. But here David was a man after God's own heart. And because of this, I know there's just so much pressure if I were to be uh, in his situation. And I know that it's not easy, but by the grace of God, okay, with everything that he did, okay, he was indeed a man after God's own heart. But something, okay, happened in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 to 5, in the spring of the year. Okay? What's before spring? <laughs> In that song, winters, summer, oh, oh, good, okay. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all the Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at? Wow. It happened late afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very... What? Beautiful, okay? If, the, if she was ugly, this is the end of the story, okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay? 
And, and, and most of you are really indeed in that classification. You're beautiful, right? In Jesus' name. Look at the person on your right, okay? You're beautiful, okay? Tell the person you're beautiful and you're good looking. In the name of Jesus, amen? Good. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her now she has been purifying herself from her uncleanness then she returned to her house and the woman conceived and she sent and told david i am pregnant we'll take this moment right now to bow our heads and close our eyes heavenly father thank you for this opportunity once again that we can just enjoy and celebrate your presence god as we study your word i pray right now that this is not just another routine that we are acquainted of every sunday panginoon that every sunday this is going to be a moment look at of transformation that as we collide with your word change our hearts that we will come out look of this gathering when a new perspective that left to our own devices we don't have what it takes Panginoon, to do what is right to do what is proper to do what is Lord God admirable Father but because of your grace and what Jesus did at the cross that you have given us the power we can say no to ungodliness and we can walk Lord a life of purity and holiness in Jesus name Amen and Amen this was the story in the spring of the year the time when what when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. And the question is that why would he remain in Jerusalem? In fact, before the spring is winter. Say the word winter. It's time to rest. So why would you, what, overextend your rest, knowing for a fact that people, okay, and the people of David, the men of David are out there fighting, what, their war. And thus, it is expected of a king to be with them. Am I correct? This is why it happened late one afternoon that David wasn't in the forefront. He was, I don't know for what reason, he wasn't lazy to get up and be with his men. When David arose from his couch and was walking in the roof of the king's house, that he saw from a roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And the one said, is it not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took, and she came to him. She doesn't have a choice. There goes the king, and he lay with her. Now she has been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant, and we know that it is ironic for King David, a man after God's own heart, to do such thing. He has been a great protector of the nation of Israel. He's not for what? Dishonest scales. He is a man of integrity and righteousness. How can this be true? But here we are. We see that David okay, did something wrong. And thus in his rise to power. Okay, we know that David fell because of one minute mistake. And this is what we need to be cautious of because a lot of us here are so conscious of the things and the sins that uh, we uh, might possibly commit. But I'm telling you right now, the things that are petty might eventually hurt you. And that is not something that you have to always, as if, be complacent about. And this is what happened to David. I, I've been winning wars and, and, and battles. If you look at the whole uh, Second Samuel, the Lord has granted and has given David okay, the different areas and he has won the war. 
So I felt like, even it's not really written in the Bible, that I felt like David probably thought that the war will be won, uh, won over. Why bother? I would rather stay here in my castle, enjoy, and just take some time. And I'm telling you right now, while you're alive, as long as you are pledging your allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, as long as you are breathing, you are in a fight. You can drop your guards. In fact, the enemy wants to hurt God, but the devil cannot hurt God. He wants to hurt you because when you're hurt, God is also hurt. Do you understand this? This is why every single day, every minute of the day, every second of the day, it's a fight that you can just, okay, stroll around. And as if everything is all right, it's a fight. The devil wants to kill you, steal your life, and destroy everything that you have. This is why... We can learn a lot from David because we can glean and just really see, okay, how he went about, okay, the mistakes that he did. In the spring of the year, the, uh, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab, okay, and his servants with him and all Israel. They went forward and they opted to, and he opted to send them and he opted to stay at home. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. This is where it all began. Then when you're called to do something for God and do uh, 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 and comply to the purposes of God, it is a must that you have to, what? Always be in the forefront. There is a time to rest. There is a, what? A time to sit back, relax, and enjoy. But when you're asked to go to war, and I'm telling you right now, every single day, it's a fight. If you're married right now, you just can't allow things to just fall on the right places. If you're married, you work for it, right? You want to have a great marriage? Sit back, relax, and enjoy. You want to have a great marriage? You want to have a great relationship with your kids? You have to set time and hour and, 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 and take advantage of every opportunity to win the attention of your children. Am I correct? You want to be promoted? Just pray. No, you have to work for it. Yes, by the grace of God, the Lord will give you the strength to work your way into being promoted by the Lord and being elevated in your company. But you have, okay? You have to go to, the, uh, to your office. This is what I'm talking about. You have to know the season and really where the Lord is uh, presently uh, putting you in. And I know that David probably has overlooked this. He became complacent. He chose to stay. And this is why, okay, when you're complacent, and in the midst of complacency, David, okay, opted to just allow things to fall in the right places. But it wasn't really right. Because he knows that if he checks his heart, deep in the recesses of his soul, he should be out there. But he stayed at home. He remained lazy. He remained complacent. And this is something that we have to always fight against, complacency. And as believers, we think that, let God take care of my life, let God take care of my future. Yes, there's a time for that. But you have to understand every single day, we have to what? We have to, we have to be reminded that as soon as you wake up, the first hour of the day, you don't feel like you're a Christian, right? There are days you face the mirror and you look at yourself. Do I look like a Christian? You don't feel like you're a Christian. At times you're surprised with the, the, way you look at your, the, the way you look. Every morning there are days, am I correct, the first 10 minutes of your first hour that you go around the house, you don't feel like, Lord, are you really good? 
Am I really blessed? Look at myself. I don't think I'm blessed. But I'm telling you right now, there's no other choice. But to wage a war and say, God, today is another fight. Give me the strength. Give me the grace. Give me the ability. Okay, to get past all the bumps and humps of life. You don't have a choice. But to fight. Am I correct? And I'm telling you right now. When you wage war every single day. And when you allow the strength of God to fill you. You will face whatever comes your way with confidence. Because you know in your heart, you're not doing it all by yourself. You have a God who will be with you every step of the way. That He will not leave you nor forsake you. And this is what happened to David. He was complacent. Remember when Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane? That His disciples slept and Christ was praying? And his advice to his disciples in, in the book of, of, of Matthew that they need to watch and watch and pray. And I I I I just can't understand. While people are at war, David was just in his palace. Okay, complacent. With nothing to think of. There was nothing in his mind. And this is the beauty that when you watch and pray, when there's nothing in your idol, and that will be. Okay, the playground of the devil when you're, when you're not thinking of anything instead of watching and praying. So the first hour of the day when you wake up, you wage war, you pray. And I'm telling you right now, most of the time, every time I would come to God and I would pray. How many of you here can relate with me? Then when you start praying, you, 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 you hear deadlines from your alcohol bills, your tuition fees. To, to, to what's happening in, in another country. A lot of concerns. Haven't you noticed that when you're about to start your day with God and you're about to pray, a lot of things are running in your mind. And here you are. Okay? You, 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 you're, you're single, lonely. And, and you're looking for somebody to love you. Where is that coming from? By the way, re remind yourself you're married, by the way. But you overlook that. Why? Because the devil will use anything to keep your mind away from watching and praying. This is important. Because once you start with the wrong foot, everything will be wrong. Start your day. There are times I don't know what to pray. How many of you here can relate with me? There are days I don't know what to pray. I prayed for almost everything. There was a time I don't know what to pray. I pray for Iceland. I don't know for what reason. I don't know. But I have to start praying. There are prayers I don't feel like. It's from God, but I, I need to start somewhere. It's like studying. I don't feel like studying. But I have to start. I have to do it. Because when it becomes a discipline, eventually, discipline becomes a delight. This is why it is a must. That you don't have to wait that you feel like reading your Bible in order for you to read your Bible. That you, you have to wait for a moment and a feeling and that surge of emotion from deep within your soul that tells you, you need to pray. No. We need to wage against this flesh. And this is what David overlooked. He deviated from what God is asking him to do, to go in the front lines and fight. And did you know, okay, that David, okay, because of this, Simple-minded deviation, a simple mistake. I want to give you an illustration right here 
of a rocket launched from planet Earth to about 150 kilometers away or 150 uh, kilometers, million kilometers away from planet Earth. And if they make a mistake of positioning the rocket one-eighth of an inch, it can go off tangent 330,000 kilometers. A minute and recognizable mistake. And a lot of us are like this rocket or missile. That we feel like it's not much, it's so petty. But I'm telling you right now, the more that you travel in a wrong direction, the more that what you, you, you go off course. That's what the devil does to us. The devil will not appear and tell you, oh, be tempted. I'm the devil. Give in to my invitation. The devil will put you in a situation when it is so petty. But before you know it, okay, you're trapped into what he has orchestrated. All the temptations that are common to men and the people that I have talked to are temptations that started with just a small picture, with a text message from an office mate, with a five-minute flirting with someone, and before you know it, your pants are down. And I'm not talking to people in this room. I'm talking to people outside this gathering. <laughs> we are strong. We have what it takes to say no to ungodliness. This is why complacency leads to what? Compromise. Because you have taken the back seat that you're not w willing to release what? Stay in the forefront. That you wake up one morning that you allow the devil to what? To, 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 to take hold of the steering wheel every single day. I want you to be on top of the situation. You don't feel like you have what it takes to what? To rule and... And, and, and lead your life and lead your family. But you have to do it. And I'm telling you right now, for the past few years, not every day is a perfect day. But one thing I know, God is only asking one thing from me, to show up in our what? In our appointment every single day. That when I wake up and I open my Bible, I know, Lord God, 6 a.m., we need to talk, we need to read. I would wake up uh, uh, really uh, earlier than that and pray in tongues and come to God because that's my what? My appointed uh, time with the Lord that I have an appointment with God. So I would open my Bible every single day. There are days that I don't feel like reading the Bible. I'm discouraged. And as I flip the pages, I would really what? Encounter the book of Numbers. <laughs> and I just can't understand why would God lead me and of course I'll have to flip because I want to entertain myself okay and, and, and suddenly I, I would read a passage in the Bible concerning Judas that he hanged himself and, he, and, and his, his his inner parts okay. it's, it's not it's not an encouraging passage to read and I don't understand there are days that's not just right but I want you to know one thing. Though there are days that are not perfect and it will never be perfect. God made it right in the past. See, you might not feel good today. You might not, be, you might not feel good today and, and you don't feel okay today. But it doesn't change a bit. But Christ died on the cross and He loves you so much. And that alone gives me an extra nudge brought to you by the Holy Spirit to move forward and say, God, I don't feel good today, but by faith, 
I will start my day. Because you're not fighting life alone. So when you're about to compromise, I want you to what? In a way, I want you to retrace your steps. God, is there something that I'm complacent of? Is there something in your life that you know you can do better and yet you choose to what? Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Or there are times in your life that you're saying, God, let, let Bible reading wait for another week. And begin to be complacent. And you feel like you need to talk to your wife, you need to date your wife, let it wait for another year. I need to talk to my son, let it wait for another time. God, I should be out of this office. But some of us here, we're saying, God, let it wait for another year. Remember this, that if we're in sync to what God is telling us to do, everything will work out fine. It will not be perfect. Because when we do things according to what God wants, it is impossible for us to compromise. This is what happened to David. That he was complacent about his life, that he ended up what? Being in a situation where he's just so complacent. That he was so idle, there's nothing to do. God is simply saying, you're not just a follower of Christ, you're not just a believer, I want you to serve me. I want you to minister to your relatives and be a blessing to your office mates. What are you doing with your life? Pastor, I'm a secret Christian. I, I, I just, I just want to hide and, and, and I'm, I'm a good person. God did not die for you just for you to be good. Christ died for you to be dangerous. Do you understand this? What's the point of being just a nice Christian, going to church, opening your Bible? If you're not a threat to the kingdom of darkness, you have to be a threat. Because if you're not, he would be a threat to you, the devil. And if you're telling me right now, I would never be a threat to the kingdom of darkness because if, if I'm afraid of that he might retaliate, I'm telling you right now, whether you fight or not, the devil will retaliate. Because the joy of the enemy is to always hurt you. So it is a must that we always go out of our way and ask ourselves, God, am I really going out of, our, of my way to be used by God? And when you're idle, before you know it, you're beginning to want to live a life of compromise. That you give in to certain things that you, you, you abhor and, and you're against. And this is what happened. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. He was walking, okay, on the roof of his, what, of his house. And suddenly he saw what? A what? A woman. It's not in the Bible. I believe with all my heart that David gave it a second glance. If you're not attractive to an individual, you would never give it a second glance. I mean, okay. <laughs> Do you understand where I'm coming from? But if you're what? If you're attracted to this woman bathing in a shower room probably, from where you are situated, and you gave her a glance, that's not, the, that's not sin. But when you give her the second glance, that's where sin comes in. So a glance is not really wrong when you know in your heart of God, I'm, I need to be what? I need to be on guard. But complacent people are not on guard. So therefore, a second glance is just part of what? Of the routine. Men, I'm not talking to, 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 to you now. I'm talking to your friends, men. <laughs> we know that. 
Though when we were out there, we're Christians, we're worshiping God, I'm not here to condemn you. And the reason why you always give it a second glance because your guards are down. Because you feel like as long as I'm going to church, everything will work out fine. I'm telling you right now, the devil is just setting you up and it doesn't happen overnight. This is what happened to David. It did not happen overnight. It was what? It was a what? A smooth transition from where he is to where the devil wants him to be. And if you take a closer look, when he saw from the roof a woman bathing, the woman was very beautiful. Who can resist? Look at the person on your right. That's a beautiful woman. Don't look at that guy beside you, okay? That's not who I'm pertaining to. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this but Sheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And that inquiry alone, I hope that has already sent a message that this woman is married, David. If your guards are up, you'll take a what? You'll take a detour. And instead of pursuing this woman, I, you choose not, not to mess with it. Not because you have the power, not because you're the king. And I feel like, though it's not written in the Bible, I feel like David was entitled that I own everything. That is something that we need to be cautious of. When you're complacent, when your guards are down, you do anything. Where are your standards when it comes to women? And I'm telling you right now, this is just for about a thousand of us in this room. Every time a woman would personal message me, and I'm not taking it against them, they would ask for prayer requests. Suddenly, they will be surprised that I'm inviting Pastor Chico in our conversation. And, and Pastor Chico at times would be, would be surprised. After I'm done interacting with a person because of the prayer concerns and uh, really certain things, uh, Pastor Chico would approach me and, and ask me, Bro, why am I part of your conversation? And I would always tell him, it's not because I don't trust the other party. I don't trust myself. I'm a pastor. I'm reading my Bible. I love my wife. I love my But I just don't trust myself. Because I am wise enough, okay, to sound the alarm before it happens. And some of us here, I, I'm strong, I, I will not be tempted. I'll just look at this woman, but I will not give in to the temptation. Invite her, but I will not hug her. I will hug her, but not kiss her. I will kiss her, but I will not do sexual... I mean, before you know it, you're trapped. Because this is what happens when, when you're complacent, you, you, you're complacent, you're, you begin to drop your guards. One inch from where it should be. And this is why it is a must that we need to always be reminded that sin begins with a simple deviation. One eighth of an inch from where you started and where you began. And before you know it, you're, you're away from the docks. You're away from home. This is my prayer. That if David could have listened to the advice of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. That you shall not acquire many wives for yourself. And a lot of people would always tell me, Pastor, the Bible okay, has endorsed in a way. Just like any of the men of God, I need to have a lot of wives because the Bible said so. Now, for the purpose of discussion, if you want to have another wife, and I want to tell you, having one, I'm telling you right now, it's a blessing. <laughs> yes. But not easy. 
And then here you are wanting for more. You're... Okay, my wife is reacting. <laughs> and wanting for more, I'm telling you right now. You will not survive a day. But for, a pur- for the purpose of discussion, I want us to, to talk about this for about two minutes. You want to another, uh, add another one? Or two more, or three more, or five more? Be my guest. But can you tell me right now, someone who has, has so many wives, who's enjoying the life that he has. We start with the Old Testament. If you look at the lives of these kings, and how everything was in disarray. Because more than just having a wife is that at the end of the day, if you have a problem with contentment, you'll never be happy. This is why the warning is so clear that you should not acquire the instruction to David through Moses. But here we are, David was complacent. He dropped his guards and slowly, okay, began to listen to himself that he can handle and everything will work out fine. And a lot of us here, when you are in sin, you begin to justify your sins and your mistakes. I can handle this. I'm attending church. I, I'm reading my Bible. I'm a good person. We begin to, to, to think of a lot of ways and reasons. But I'm telling you right now, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Because this is the only way that the enemy can what? can deceive us that we lower our guards. And this is what happened to David. Because he was so complacent, he ended up what? Compromising. And he shall not have many wives for himself. This was the warning. And because of the compromise, it led to a callous heart. This is why it is a must that when we are caught in a situation that is not pleasing to God, Let's not wait for a day or two to say sorry and repent before God. Look up here for a while, all of you. A lot of us, were causing so much delay. That yes, we have sinned against God, and, and, and we go to church, and we take a walk, and we smile, and we greet our friends, and, and as if everything is okay. No, you come to God and say, God, I repent. Remember this restoration is at hand when you repent quickly. If you're quick to repent, restoration will never be a problem. The problem with us is that we tend to justify everything is okay. Why, just, why can't you just approach God and say, God, I'm sorry, it's my fault. The problem with David is that there was already a nudge and a prompting, I believe with all my heart, for him to be a man after God's own heart. He's familiar that when you sin against God, there's a prompting. And in the book of Psalms, we see that David would repent. With a flick of a finger, Lord, I'm sorry. But this was different. Because... When you begin to compromise and begin to, to, to give in to uh, 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 whatever you want for yourself, and you give in to your flesh, and you, you become so complacent and entitled with the life that you have, that you're the king and you're in control of everything, before you know it, you will not have what it takes to listen to the prompting in your heart that it's wrong and this is right. Your heart will become callous. This is what happened. That he acquired many wives... Because the warning is, lest his heart turn away, nor shall be a, he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. The warning is that if you give in to what you want, eventually these things will replace God in your life. Do you understand? So when you are, and if you have committed a sin, 
you need to quickly repent, turn away from it, and turn to God. Don't let it sip into your system. Because if you allow these things to come into your heart before you know it, you're not worshiping the king of the heavens and the earth. You're worshiping the idols of your heart. And that will destroy your life. And because of that compromise, he opted to listen to himself. His heart became callous. And this is what happened. Think about a, a man, a king, a person after God's own heart saying this. So David asked his messengers, can you get this married woman for me? So David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness, her, her monthly menstruation. Then she returned to her house. And David was with her. And I just can't understand. How can a man after God's own heart do such thing? I mean, think about this. If this is a congregation, I'm your pastor. I would want to get a woman in this group. Isn't that... I don't know if, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the right illustration. But I have the authority blessed by God, anointed by God. And I would want to use it for my advantage. You'll abhor all of me. Right? How can this guy who has what? Who has pledged his allegiance in Psalm 101 that I will walk with integrity and he ended up using his authority for his advantage. How is this possible? Because of one deviation, minute decision of staying at home. So when you have nothing to do, okay, I'm not saying that you have to go out of your house and find something to do and to play with. That's not what I'm talking about. That you have to know, Lord, what are you asking me to do? Because God will never allow anybody who would live life idle and unproductive. The Bible is clear in Philippians, right? 4.8, I think, that we need to think of what is noble, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. Think about such things. Your mind has to be busy thinking what is proper, what is praiseworthy, what is a good report, how to honor somebody, how to pray for someone, how to be a blessing to a person. That's who you are. You're productive and dangerous. Amen. Am I correct? That you will serve God, that you will, you will use your whole being to, to bring glory to God. That's who you are. But he was not convicted. Some of us, how many of you here are thankful? When you came to the Lord, when you sin against God, there is this voice in your heart that tells you that's wrong. And you pause for a while and you say, God, sorry. Raise your hand. How many of you here, you have conviction in your heart? That there is no one who plays that microchip in your heart and reminds you to do what is right, but deep in your heart, you're thankful that indeed the Holy Spirit is real. That it tells you what you need to do. That even though you're right, how many of you here, you've been in a situation where you feel like you're right, but you know you're wrong? I know the scriptures. I can reason with my wife and tell her, these are what's written in the Bible and you're wrong. But in my heart, I'm wrong. How many of you here are guilty of this? With all facial expressions and all the scriptures coming out of your mouth? And with a stance that would never be defeated? And you look really, you're going to win that, 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 the discussion. But you know in your heart, 
after about five minutes of stating the facts that you're right, you know in your heart you're wrong. Are you thankful that the Holy Spirit would whisper in our hearts and tells us you're wrong? And the Holy Spirit would always ask us to repent and to make a U-turn and once again be back in the fold of God. Isn't it amazing? That you don't have to wait for a month and say, Lord, can you continue prompting me and nudging me? I'm not going to do anything about it. Just, just nudge me. Just prompt me. No. The more that you comply and you obey the Holy Spirit, the more you hear and you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is why this is not something that's, that's mystical. The Holy Spirit is a person. We didn't talk about this, right? This is why I just can't. I, I find it, what? Ironic that a man after God's own heart, a man who's sensitive to the voice of God, overlook that if you take a closer look, and the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. The Bible is clear. That if a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both adulterer and the adulterer shall surely be put to death. David knows that. But you know what happened instead of repenting? And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, Binahaypa. And she became his wife and bore him a son. Bore him a son. David did not repent. If you look at the story, he have what? The husband of, of what? Of, of Bathsheba killed. Because one sin would want to cover up another sin. How many of you here are guilty of this? That when you have sin against God and you don't want to repent, you would want to come up with another sin to cover another sin. But remember this, your sin will find you out. Why? Because at the end of the day, there are times that God will prompt us. I think it's written in Proverbs 29 verse 1. That a person who is stiff-necked, will be destroyed without remedy. It came from the mouth of God. There is hope, right? Amen? But if you continue to live a life of sin, the day will come that you will be destroyed without any hope. And I'm telling you right now, the reason why, there is hope because you're alive. You are in this gathering. You're listening to this message. Therefore, there is hope. There is an opportunity to make a U-turn and turn to what? Turn from your wicked ways and turn to God. That you're not just sorry because of what you did. You're simply saying, Lord, I am repentant and I'm sorry. But more than just being sorry, I want to turn to God. Saying sorry is not turning away. Just turning away from sin and turning back to sin. That's not being sorry. Being sore and being repentant is somebody who's turning away from sin and turning to God. This is why it is important that we do understand the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That you are no longer the master, the boss, the one in control of your eyes, of your nose, of your body, of your sexual organs. Am I correct? Of your thoughts. God should be the Lord of your thoughts, of your body, of your tongue, of your eyes. Is this helping you? Because the more that you allow God to take control and to take over, the more that you'll come out doing what pleases God. You can fabricate righteousness. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. God was not for it. 
This is what I've been saying. Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. And if you take a closer look, Bathsheba bore a child. And for the purpose of discussion, for about nine months after Bathsheba gave birth, David did not even thought of repenting and saying sorry and correcting his ways. Because his heart was callous. This is why... If you choose to continue with your wicked ways, you will what? You'll end up reaping the consequences of what you did. Why have you despised the word of the Lord? Nathan asked Samuel to do what is evil in his sight. You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Nathan was simply saying, I'm trying to correct your mistakes. Why would you uh, kill more than just... What, living a life of immorality and adultery, you have the husband of this woman killed. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. This is the consequence. Because you have despised me and have taken the wife Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of his son. This was what... Nathan spoke, okay, as a consequence to what David did. And I'm telling you right now, there is always a consequence. But if you quickly repent, there is still hope. And if you look at the story in 2 Samuel, I think 14 to 15, that Tamar and Amnon had sexual relations. These are the what? The son and the daughter of David. And Amnon violated Tamar and Absalom because of what Amnon did. Killed Amnon after two years. And because of what Absalom did, that he would want to topple down his father David as a king of Israel. Joab, the bodyguard, or one of the soldiers, the generals of David, struck him in what? With a spear in his heart. There was what? So much mess because of one deviation, one wrong move. Then instead of going off to war, I hope all of us here, that we choose to God, I want to obey you. Might be small, but I know it will have future repercussions. I do pray for all of us that yes, we're not perfect. But more than just knowing that we need to do what is right, is that we're quick to repent. David took time, more than nine months, to not repent. This is why. It has cost his whole family. For you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. There was forgiveness right there and then. What if when he, what, when he was in his palace looking at a beautiful woman. And he opted to say, God, I, that's a beautiful woman. But I will turn a blind eye. And... Instead of giving it a second look, I choose to move forward and gather myself and remind myself that I need to be at war. I need to be somewhere than being in this palace. But it took time for him to repent. I do pray for all of you here that all of us will be quick to repent. That when we make mistakes, we say, God, I cannot prolong this. Because the more you prolong your mistakes, the more... That your heart becomes callous. When your heart is callous, you can't even feel the prompting and the nudge of the Holy Spirit. So while you have, 
what it, it takes to recognize and be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants to tell you, what the Spirit of God wants to convey to you, that you take heed. And the more you take heed, the more that you're aligned from the purposes and the will of God. Obedience and quick repentance brings you back to where God wants you to be. That is my prayer for all of us. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. And we know that. And to bring it further, it was just because of David's sin that he has to reap the consequences of his wrongdoing. But we know that the grace of God, the forgiveness of God is available to all of us. It was available to David. This is why David started with Psalm 101 as a declaration that I will walk in integrity. And because he turned to God, repented of his sins, Psalm 51 was his prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. It's a long chapter. Let me jump in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. 51.10 is a famous verse, but it was David's prayer after he has done something that is totally displeasing before God. It's not worth a lifetime of regret. But David dropped his guards and he found himself with his pants down because he was not willing to do what he's called to do. He deviated from God's plan. This is why I want us to be reminded that a few hours of pleasure is not worth a lifetime of pain. But Christ's hours of pain gave us heaven. If you take a closer look, David had a momentary pleasure that cost his entire generation. Christ had a momentary pain that paved the way for heaven. This is why if you check the lineage of David and Solomon, you see Christ in that line. For Christ has promised that it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of good works so that no one or no one may boast. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why we can do what is pleasing, what is righteous, that though we're tempted to give in to certain temptations, Christ paid the way, that He has given us grace to be forgiven, grace to live a righteous life, 
grace to move forward and win over the things that might challenge us and will give us the strength to say no to ungodliness. What Christ did in the past, yesterday, gave me the power today for a great tomorrow. This is why it is important that when we make a decision, more than just for your own pleasures, you have to think of the future repercussions to the people that we love. And in the same manner, Christ thought of you and me on the cross. That his death on the cross will echo through eternity. And the reason why you can worship God, because somebody decided to never give in to what he thinks is pleasurable. It was painful for Christ, but it is glorious for you and me. It is my prayer that we come out of this gathering with a strength that God you died to make us alive again. So it is important that we have to always, always, and always rehearse and remind ourselves that a simple decision can have an impact both today and for eternity. Isn't that amazing? That what Christ did made an impact for eternity. This is why more than just all the temptations that comes our way, we can say, God, I can rise above this victorious. Because Christ rose above victorious. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. And Lord God, you're a God of second, third, fourth chances. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes, you're saying, God, am I disqualified from your purposes and your plans? God is simply saying, my son died on the cross. The reason why you're qualified because my son paid it all. So this morning, if you're here right now, and you're living a life of sin, with nobody is looking around, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes, whether that's minor or major. In fact, it was just petty for David, but it cost him his family. So when it comes to sin, when you know in your heart there is something that is standing in the way when it comes to your relationship with God, I want you to raise your hand right now. If there's a sin in your life, you're simply saying, God, I'm done with this. I want to break free from this. I want to overcome this sin. I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. Lord, with the sins, Lord God, that we have, can we just raise our hands right now? Lord, today, I pray that you forgive us. Can you just tell God, God, today, create in me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Say this to Jesus, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, thank you that you're creating a new heart for each and every one of us. Can, can you look up here for a while?
I want you, I, I want you to just, can you just take this time right now to smile and count three, one, two, three. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Now, I'm not saying that I'm forgiven, so let me do it again. That's not what I'm talking about. When you, when you experience God's forgiveness, and when you experience the goodness of God, you can't help but live in repentance. So let the goodness of God push you to do what is pleasing to God. My advice to you, don't start a day without reading your Bible. Don't start a day without reading your Bible. Secondly, I want you to invite somebody into your life. Invite somebody to be accountable to you. Bible? Okay? Your food? Okay? The Word of God. Invite a friend that can be accountable to you. Because there's no other way for you to overcome all of this. And the reason why you have what it takes. Because what Christ did in the cross gave you the strength, the ability that God my interaction with the word will be will not be a struggle it will be a delight so I do pray for all of us here that if you want your generation and the people that will come after you to start serving God. You have to draw the line and start it right. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.